So, I mean, the major introduction of Rabbi Manning is the uh, that uh, come uh, Rosh Chodesh Elul, he will be the new head of Midrash Rachel. Uh, he's uh, succeeding Rabbi Shurin, um, and uh, we're very happy to have him on the team. You guys will probably want to get to know him if you're interested in Shiduchim. I'm sure he'll have what to say. Um, that was uh, okay. That's off the record. Um, uh, our yeshiva goes, has a long history with Rabbi Manning. Um, I met Rabbi Manning in England during my trips, but I met him because um, he was he was uh, a, a law student in Oxford, and um, he he uh, brought Rabbi Kimchi to Oxford to begin saying lunchtime shiurim. Rabbi Kimchi was a uh, rebbe in the yeshiva till 1984, and then he moved back to England to start an amazing shul, a darchinom type shul uh, in uh, Hendon. And um, then he started saying uh, shiurim at the various, uh, what I guess in England we call the Ivies, what is it, um, Oxbridge? What do they call it? Oxbridge. Yeah, Cambridge and Oxford. Um, and he was Makari for Rabbi Manning and his wife. Um, and uh, that's why I met Rabbi Manning, at, I think probably once at a Shabbos table by Rabbi Kimchi. No, no expectation that he's ever going to end up in Israel. He's a lawyer, Balchuva, very nice, wonderful. And then he says, you know what, nafsho chashka betorah. You got to drive to learn Torah. He leaves the law practice, comes to Israel, becomes a big Talmud Chacham. And the way that happens, guys, there's no pill to take. You just got to learn and learn and learn. Okay? And that's if you want a role model for how to become a Talmud Chacham, Rabbi Manning is it. Um, and uh, bringing his brilliant uh, legal mind to the table of Torah and Torah study. Um, and um, he's really uh, has a... A website with how many shiurim on it? 500 shiurim, okay? Well-researched, everything with source sheets, so you can understand why it's very appropriate for a Dark and Noam system. Everything with source sheets, very broad-minded, very open, very authentic. Um, of course, probably you've heard the book that he just put out on Sneas uh, with lots and lots of sources. Um, and, of course, it had to be sourced because some of the things that he said were not part of the conventional wisdom. And, of course, whenever you say something that's not conventional wisdom in the Haredi world, you get pushback. Um, and he got pushback. And, you know, as an open-minded person, he made some modifications, and he rejected some of the pushback. Anyway, it's a great book. Um, it's really... What, which, what number printing is it? Into the fifth. No. Fifth print. Okay, so you realize it's, uh, you know, it's revolutionary. Anyway, so we're very happy to have Rabbi Manning here. Um, as a uh, guest speaker, you, I'm sure, over the next year or two, you'll be hearing a lot more from him. And with that, I turn over the floor to Rabbi Manning with your source sheets coming down in a minute. Thank you, Rabbi Kalinsky. Thank you very much, Rabbi Kalinsky. Um, just uh, to correct uh, the record, uh, I became the same level time at Chochem when I stopped being a lawyer as I used to be a donor to Darkin on when I was a lawyer, which is kind of medium. <laughs> so, so whatever you gained in, uh, in Shirim, I'm afraid you didn't gain in uh, donors, but uh, that's the Cheshbon sometimes. Uh, okay, so the source sheets are on the way down, um, and I'd like to talk to you, Bishus, uh, Roshi Yeshiva and Bishus Rav Hirschfeld. It's always a uh, uh, cover to be able to meet with Rav Hirschfeld and see Rav Hirschfeld. Uh, I feel uh, somewhat 
inadequate, very inadequate in many ways, standing uh, at this podium uh, in, in the position that I'm planning to take up. But uh, on the other hand, it's an opportunity. It's, it's many years since I've given a, a shi'a here in uh, Dachinam, in the yeshiva, and I'd like to teach a topic with you, which I actually am very excited about. Uh, it's a machlokus within a machlokus. It's a dispute that if you go, if you peel away the surface, you'll see a dispute within a dispute, which to my mind as a, as a teacher, I left the law to go into chinuch. And therefore, this is a key issue for Mechanchem, uh, which, as you'll see over the next 35 minutes, um, hopefully you'll, uh, you'll be thinking about through lunch. So just before the sheets come down, let me introduce the, the topic. The Rambam, Maimonides, from the uh, 12th century in Spain and North Africa, um, he put together 13 principles of, I don't want to say the word faith, it's, it's not really a Jewish word, but 13 principles on which the Jewish religion and Jewish belief is based. I'm not giving a share specifically on the Yud Gimel Ikarim. Um, they were somewhat controversial, even at the time, um, and afterwards as well. I'm not getting into that. There was a whole Maimonidean controversy uh, afterwards as well. But I'm focusing on the tenth of those principles. The tenth of those principles is that God knows everything that is going on in the universe. And I'll read it out to you in, in Hebrew, and uh, the original was in Arabic, so you're not missing anything having the source right now. Um, but the Soda Asiri, he writes down there, he writes them in his, in his Hakdom, in his introduction to Perik Chelek, when the Rambam wrote his commentary on the Mishnah, so, which was itself revolutionary to have a line-by-line commentary just on the Mishnah. So when he got to Sanhedrin, he got to the 10th Perik of Sanhedrin, Kol Yisrael Yeshlem Chelek so he said, I can't just write a line-by-line commentary, I need to give you a whole Hakdama. What is Olam Haba? What does it mean Mashiach? What is the, is the world to come? Is it the same as Mashiach? Etc. And he, there in the end of that uh, introduction, he sets out the Yud Gimel Ikarim. So let me read you the 10th. HaYisod HaSiri, Shehu Yitalei Yodea Maseh Bnei Adam Ve'einam Aznichem. That God knows everything that is going on, the actions of uh, the human world and the whole universe, but he's focusing on the human world. Ve'einam Aznichem, he doesn't just abandon uh, the humans. This, the, Ram, the Rambam here is departing from his Aristotelian approach, which he takes in other areas, but here Dafka not. The Aristotelian approach to God is that God is the unmoved mover, God underpins the whole of the universe, but he's not the slightest interested in anything that goes on there. He isn't aware and doesn't care. Uh, a little bit like uh, Lahavdil, Jeff Bezos is sitting in, a, in an office somewhere, in wherever he sits in an office, he's running Amazon, he doesn't care who puts the paper into the printer machines in the Amazon office in, uh, in uh, you know, Fargo, North Dakota, he couldn't care less. He doesn't want to know. He employs people who employ people who employ people who employ people to take care of that. So too, says Aristotle, God's not interested in what's going on in your life. The Rambam says, we don't believe that. The Lakadad Misha Amman, he says, we don't believe what the Cheskel quotes in the name of certain heretics at his time, Azav Hashem God abandoned the world. We don't believe that. And then he brings proofs from the flood that God was looking down and saying this is not okay, it has to be dealt with. From Sodom that God was looking down and saying this is not okay, God intervenes in the world. God knows everything that's going on. And the 11th Icah, which is the next one, which is the consequences that is reward and punishment, which I'm not talking about today. Okay, fine. There is, of course, an age-old problem, which the Rambam is not the first person to raise. Which is, and this is, I'm sure you've debated late at night when you're sitting in the base medrash working things out. Um, if God knows everything that is happening, has happened, is about to happen, what is the classic question? How do I have free will? How can I possibly have free will if God knows everything that's going to be? Because I'm just programmed. I cannot do anything other than what God expects me to do. So there are two problems with that. There's a moral problem. 
which is, if I don't have free will, then how can, how can there be concepts of tshuva? How can I ever get better? The Torah is telling me, choose this, not that. Ubecharta seems to be telling me to choose. So there's a moral issue, which is why we're going to see in the middle of Hilchas tshuva, the Rambam puts this at the center of Hilchas tshuva. There's also a philosophical issue, which is, if I am able to make choices which are unpredicted, because I have that choice, then in some ways that changing God God before my choice is different to God after my choice. And a changing God is a philosophical problem as well, because God, by definition, is unchanging. The unity of God demands that he's unchanging. So the Rambam deals with this conundrum, this dilemma, in two places. In the Mishneh Torah. So Rambam wrote the Mishneh Torah, actually in Hebrew, which is why we're going to look at it in the Hebrew, although I did translate it for anyone who's interested. Um, he includes this discussion in Hilchas Yisodi HaTorah, which is at the beginning when he's setting out his philosophical principles of Judaism. And he includes it also right at the heart of Hilchas Tshuva. Because Hilchas Tshuva is ten chapters. In the middle of chapter five of Hilchas Tshuva, he raises the following question in number three. Um, he's coming off Pirkei Avos. Pirkei Avos in number two, I just wrote you four words. Pirkei Avos takes a position on this issue of freedom of choice versus determinism. Determinism being that God has already determined what's going to be by his knowledge. The Pirkei Avos takes a position which the philosophers called compatibilist, meaning the two are compatible. Because logically, there are three positions you could basically take. Either we have free will, and God doesn't know what we're about to say, or we don't have free will, and that's how it works, that God knows everything that's going on, or somehow they live with each other. Somehow they, they, they are part of a, the same system. And that's the approach Prukiyavas says. Number two, Hakol Safwi, everything is foreknown, everything is foreseen by God. But you've got, you've got, you've got the ability to do whatever uh, you want to do in terms of your choices, your life. How this works... Pirkei Avos does not explore. That it works, it says. Okay, so now look at the Rambam. Number three. There aren't many sources on the sheet, but they are going to be, hopefully, uh, enlightening. So the Rambam says in number three, Shema Taima, you might ask the following question. There's some more source sheets there if you want one. The Halal Kodesh Baruch Baruch Doesn't God know everything that's going to be before it is? Yadash is a Tzadik Rosha. He knows if you're going to be a Tzadik and a Rosha. Now just move away from, we tend to think of the tzaddik and the rosha like, you know, the Arba Bonim on Pesach. The tzaddik is a, you know, a holy guy and the rosha is a terrible. Tzaddik or rosha in the Rambam, and to some degree in Chazal as well, and to some degree in the Chumash too, is if you make the right choice, you're tzaddik. If you make the wrong choice, you're rosha. It's not a holistic kind of sack on who you are. Um, you, you, you have chicken and you have uh, kosher chicken and trifle chicken. Which one are you going to choose? And they both look really tasty. You choose a kosher chicken, you're a tannic. You choose a trefer chicken, you're a rosher. God knows what you're going to be. Or are you going to say God doesn't know? Which, by the way, how could God not know? So the Rambam doesn't go into this, but there was also floating around a philosophical position, which was in Avram ibn Daud, and also later in the Raubag, that maybe God cannot know what is just unknowable. Meaning it's no detriment to God that God cannot know that which cannot be, yet cannot be known. It cannot be known. So my choice cannot be known because it's an undetermined choice. So maybe God doesn't know and God couldn't know because it's an unknowable thing. Which is a longer conversation. The Rambam rejects that. Says no, 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 no. That's not true. You can't say God doesn't know. In God knows that you are a tzaddik. He knows what choice you're going to make. You're going to choose the kosher. And if you want to suggest that God does know Shiyatzadik, He thinks you're going to be a tzaddik. The Eshe Rosha, but at the last minute you could be a Rosha. You know, I'm reaching for the kosher chicken, and then took the trafe chicken. Ah, you didn't expect that. So that's just silly, says the Rambam. 
Then, then God didn't know. That's a lack in God's knowledge. And, and Rambam insists that God has to have absolute knowledge, and you have to have absolute choice. So now he tells you, duh, you should know. The answer to this question, the resolution of this question, is very, very complicated. It's longer than the whole world. It's broader than the sea. It's, it's a very deep issue. How many enormous principles the whole of, 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 of Torah rests on you be able to make a choice. You have a choice to be a tzaddik or a rosha. You need to know the following. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. We already explained over there in Hilchas Yisodi God doesn't know something in a way which is external to Him. Adam, like you and I do. You and me, us and our, our knowledge are two different things. God and His knowledge is one thing. Again, guys, this is not some abstract philosophical text. This is right in the heart of Hilchus Tshuva. This is like before you can go on and keep Shabbos. You've got to know uh, Sefer Hamada. You know, you've got to know this. So he says, this is how it is. You and I, mortal people, us, we on our knowledge of two things. I used to be three years old. I didn't know very much then, but I existed, and my knowledge did not exist. Now I'm 55 years old, and I exist, and I have knowledge, which is separate from me. And in 300 years' time, if anyone wants to read my book, Reclaiming Dignity, or my memoirs, if anyone remembers I ever existed, they will be able to read my knowledge, and I don't exist. They're two separate things. That's not true of God. God and his knowledge are exactly the same thing. They're not splittable. They're not divisible in any way. And you can't get your head around that. Because at the end of the day, it's illogical. It's a paradox. How can that be? Uh, there was a book written many years ago called Flatland uh, about a two-dimensional creature that found themselves in a three-dimensional world. And, and the paradoxes that that threw up. Imagine you only have two dimensions and you're going around a, a cylinder and you, go, you keep going forward and you end up back where you started. You go, whoa. How did I end up back where I started? I just kept going forwards. That's just, that, how did that happen? Because you go, duh, it's like you went round. But you don't get round if you don't get the third dimension. So it says the Rambam, you just don't get this. You can't get your head how God and his knowledge are one. Ukeshem, I'm on to the sixth line down. Ukeshem she'ein koch ba'adam la'asik l'nitzoy amitata boreh. Just like you can't get your head into the essence of what God is. Sheneamak hiloi ra'eni adam v'chai. He quotes here from Moshe Rabbeinu, the highest level of revelation at the top of Mount Sinai. Moshe alone is there. No one else is merits to see this. And Moshe asks God, Sorry, show me how you run the world. And then God says, okay, we'll show you how to run the world. But then, let me see, perceive at Kvodecha, your essence. And God says, no, no. That's not how it works. You, you might be 40 days and 40 nights on the top of Parsinai. You might be half person and half malach at this stage. But you do not get God. Even the malachim don't get God. Nobody gets God. It says you can't see it. So you, even Moshe didn't get it. You're not going to get it, says the Rambam. Just like you can't get God's essence, you can't get God's knowledge. They are the same. The way that God knows something is the way that God's essence is. For Husha Hanavi Omer, and he quotes Yeshayahu in a way that you probably didn't expect him to, Kiloi Machshvoisai, Machshvoisechem, Veloi Darchechem Darachai. We read this on a fast day. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So no, normally what we think that means is, 
Well, you know, you don't know why things happen in the world. God runs the world. You don't run the world. So don't worry if things happen the way they, you don't think they should be. God runs the world. The Rambam's taking it very literally. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Whatever you think thinking is, that is not what God is doing. God is doing something very, very different. The Kaven Shekenku, since that's the case, God has, you have no idea how God knows anything. And therefore, if you come and ask me the question, how do I have free choice when God already knows? Oh, stop time. What did you just say? God already knows what I'm about to do? What does that even mean? You have no idea what that means. That question is a non-question. And the answer to a non-question is not X. The answer to a non-question is your question makes no sense. For example, I'm going to pick on someone. What's your name, sir? Shimshon. And this could be very awkward because I've never met Shimshon before. But I'm going to ask, ask, ask Shimshon a very straightforward question, a yes-no question. Just answer yes or no. Don't try and avoid the question. Shimshon, is your brother out of jail yet? Yes. Yes, Bar Hashem. So he had a brother who was in jail, right? No. No? So how can your brother be out of jail? He was never in jail. So you see... The answer to that question, it, the, the awkward bit would be if Shinshin had a brother just on time and, and he, just got out, he, just, he just got out of jail. But I, I, so far I've never had that. But it'll happen one day. Okay? The point is that I asked Shinshin a question where the premises of the question were incorrect. You can't answer yes or no to has your brother got out of jail yet. Maybe he doesn't have a brother. Maybe he has a brother never went to jail. The way he responds to the question is saying, your question is, 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 is misconstrued. I cannot and will not answer that. I'll show you why it's a bad question. By the way, when they train you how to do um, Israel advocacy on campus, they train you how to recognize those questions, those kind of questions. They, they give me a yes-no answer to this question and don't avoid it, where the question itself is based on a falsehood. And you have to learn how to throw that question back at them and say, how could anyone with, a, with an ounce of intelligence ask that question because without it looking as though you're avoiding the question, which you're not because the question is not a real question. It's, it's a skill. So the Rambam says, I'm not going to give you an answer to how you have knowledge and God yet, and how you have free choice, but God has knowledge of everything because it's a ridiculous question. Ask me a better question. Ask me about the status of Muxa on second day Yonsef in Koslaris. Oh, oh, they will, well, oh, that will have a, a whole sheer on. But this, silly. But he says then at the end, a vow, however, three lines down from the bottom. We know without the slightest doubt. Your actions are in your choice. God doesn't pull you or push you to do this or not to do this. We don't just know this because we have a Kabbalah, we have a Masoru, we have a, this from Sinai. I can show you this also in, in terms of philosophy. I can prove this to you philosophically as well. And that's why we hear all the time in the Torah, in the Navi, all the way through Tanakh, that everyone is judged according to their own actions in Toiv, in Ra. And everything depends on this. Okay, good. End, end of halacha. Did the Rambam answer the question? Did the Rambam answer the question? No. Did he deal with the question? Are you happy? No. <laughs> no. Why are you not happy? We'll see in a minute whether his job is to make you happy. But why, why, why are you not happy? 
Because you don't like it when you ask a question and it gets dealt with by someone who says, that's a silly question. Even if it is a silly question. Everybody needs an answer. Everybody wants some kind of an answer, even to a bad question. But the Rambam's not going to pander to that. He moves on to something else because he's dealt with the question. So far, so good. However, the Rivard is not happy. Turn over the page. The Rivard. Let's skip to number five for a second. Now, the Rivard was slightly old, older than the Rambam. Rabbi Avram ben David the Rambam's Mishnah Torah was distributed in manuscripts. Obviously, there was no printing in the 1170s, 1180s. You, we've got letters from the Rambam that he sent to people who asked him Shiloh's day, saying, obviously, you didn't get the boat yet with my Mishnah Torah, because if you'd have got it, you should have looked it up, you know, kind of thing. Um, the Rambam was living in southern France. He was a, the Godel Hador in southern France, very important figure. Um, he had his own school there. His son, Rav Yitzchak Sagi Nahor, was actually someone extremely important in the development of, of mysticism and Kabbalah, etc., which is not for now. Uh, the Riva doesn't comment very much on the Mishnah. He got the manuscript, he says, okay, I need to, this cannot go without the odd comment here and there. And if you look, if you pick up a Rambam and look at the Riva on it, you'll see, you know, very few comments. Every now and then there's a page with a comment. He often comments in a very harif way, because that was his way of, you know, communicating. And some of the, some of the comments he makes are actually quite mind-blowingly harif, uh, not for now. Um, but uh, most of the time, he's, he, we assume he's happy. If he doesn't comment, then we assume he's happy. Actually, you know, we think of the Ravid often in terms of the world of learning as the Bar Plukta of the Rambam in the Mishnah Torah, as the one who argues. The Ravid actually wrote extensive commentaries on Shas. The, the, the work that we see on the Rambam is just the, the tip of the iceberg of what the Riva produced, but we don't have the manuscripts of those commentaries on Shas. But it's not a problem, because they found their way into the halachic system through the Ramban. The Ramban, who lived just in, in Barcelona, which is very a short distance from southern France, got a full set of everything the Riva wrote. And if you read through the Ramban on Shas and his school, the Rashba and the Ritva, you'll see the Rivad again and again and again. The Rivad comes in. So actually, the Rivad is known to us and important to us for much more than just what he said on, on the Mishnah Torah. That's a side issue. But here he jumps in and he says, I'm not a happy man. Have a look in number five. Amar Avram. Again, I, I translated it if you want, but you, I'm looking in the Hebrew. Amar Avram says the Rivad as follows. Lo nahag this writer didn't write like a, an intelligent writer should write. You can't start something if you don't know how to finish it. But who He starts raising these really hard questions. And he leaves you with a question. And tells you kind of trust, trust him. What do you mean trust him? I'm, I, he's just destroyed me. I'm on the floor. Wouldn't it have been better, says the Ravid, to leave it tmimas atmimim? Tmimas atmimim and people, they never had, some people don't have deep questions. Better to leave them without questions. You're going to walk in there and give them all these deep questions and leave them crying on the floor? Leave them, leave them happy. At the end of the day, who are the happiest people of all? The people who know nothing. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah? So, he says, there are certain people better to leave, leave them happy. Don't get them all worked up and then leave them with a suffix, with, with doubts. Maybe they'll start having doubts which are even deeper. 
Oivei, I don't know what this means. Maybe, maybe the rabbi doesn't know what it means. Maybe the rabbi doesn't know what anything means. Maybe nobody knows what anything means. My whole life is a lie. I teach a lot of post-high school um, seminary students. So one of the things they often come out with, that the first time they hear anything they never heard before is, my whole life is a lie. No, no, your whole life is not a lie. You, you just heard something that you never heard before. Okay. It's, it's, but he says, people feel that way. People feel that way. And then he says, Even though I don't really have a way to answer the Rambam's question. Because why? Because he agrees with the Rambam's answer. The answer is that you, the question is a bad question. But he has to do damage limitation now. Because now you want an answer. I need to feel happy. So uh, you can read the rest on your own. But he, he does what I would basically call the cabbage chocolate conundrum test or whatever. It's, it's what they, in philosophy they say call soft determinism. He goes, if God made you do something, yeah, that would be a problem for freedom of choice. He decreed that you do it. But really it's a bit like this, he says. Let's say you give a two-year-old a choice. Cabbage, they taste both, okay, lick both. Do you want cabbage or do you want chocolate? Yummy, yummy, yummy cabbage. Ichich, horrible chocolate. And you give the kid a choice. So if you know cabbage, and you know chocolate, and you know two-year-olds, you can predict 999 times out of a thousand which they're going to choose. Oh, you have divine omniscience. You know, you, did the kid have free choice? Total, totally. How did you know what he was going to do? I just know that the, the parameters are so limited, and I know kids and chocolate and cabbage. Of course he's going to do that. So he says, imagine that on an infinite level. God knows every single aspect of your, and he gets into uh, to, to, uh, astrology. God knows your star sign, which wouldn't impress the Rambam at all because he thought that astrology was nonsense, but that's not for now. He, he knows everything, your nature, your nurture, your genes, your upbringing, the fact that you were dropped on your head when you were three months and you've always been strange since, and all those kind of things. He knows all of that. And he knows the parameters of your Yetzirah. In every single case, what your Yetzirah is going to do and what it's not going to do, God can predict with 1,000% certainty what you're going to choose because he just knows it all so well, but he didn't make you do it. He didn't make you do it. So he says, that's how I understand the answer to this question. Again, soft determinism. It's not that God makes you do it. He's just, he knows so much about the parameters. It's going to be the way that God knows it's going to be. But then he says at the end, the last three words, four words, the kal ze eneno shave. But this answer is worthless. This is honest. Why is it worthless? Because at least with a kid, even if I can predict it 999 out of a thousand times, there's always a chance that some weird kid's going to be uh, take me by surprise. Oh, Taki likes cabbage. Oh, with God there is no chance. It's a hundred percent. It's an infinite knowledge. And therefore, you're back to the same question, which is, okay, with an infinite knowledge, so did I really have any other way of doing any other thing? Wasn't it all said predestined? And therefore, he knows this answer is not helpful. People are going to go away, okay, I like that. That's nice. I'm happy now. What's going on here? What's going on here is something very interesting. They're having a, I don't think they're having a machlokas at the end of the day about philosophy and Jewish machshava. They're having a machlokas, they're in machlokas, to what extent do we expose people to questions that they never thought of before. Questions that are going to leave them confused, concerned. Complexities that they perhaps hadn't understood, that now that they've heard them, it, it, it shatters a little bit what they'd heard before. So everyone agrees that you have to do that for Chinuch. 
And the Ravid agrees with that as well. The Ravid is not going to spoon feed you. He's, I'm sure his base of Medrash was very vigorous and he was very, you know, demanding of his students. And by the way, the Rambam also doesn't believe that, you know, if you're a math, a postdoc math uh, professor, you should walk into a fourth grade math class and tell them all the, like, the bomb questions, cashes done on maths from a postdoctorate perspective. Of course, the kids are all going to lie and sit on the floor and cry. No one's, no, no one's going to ever study math ever again. And the, Ravid, and the Rambam says in his introduction to the Guide to the Perplexed, that of course you always teach people according to their knowledge, and you may have to oversimplify for people as you bring them through different levels. So of course they both agree on that, but it's the degree to which you do that. That's the debate. The Rambam at the end of the day says, I don't care, I do care, but I am prepared to risk the fact that you're going to sit down and feel unhappy, because I've exposed you to something you never thought of before. You know something? You'll work through it. Either you'll outgrow the question, you'll, you'll mature into the question, you won't need an answer, you'll find an answer somewhere else. Many Tosfasim end with Tzorich Ian. That's not the end of the parish. Oh, Tzorich Ian, that's it. I can't go on. I just can't go on. I'm not going to make any more commentary because I, I couldn't work out what they are. Do you have a Tzorich Ian? You move on. And you'll work it out. The Ravid says, yes, of course, but this, this is too far. It's a little bit, you know, I'm exposed to a lot of high school uh, teaching systems. You walk into a Beis Yaakov high school, you walk into a modern Orthodox high school, they have different chinuch styles. Uh, no, again, I don't think anyone thinks it's a big misfit to walk into every Beis Yaakov and give them every kasha they never thought of, and did you know this, and did you know that, and did you know that, and everyone now is destroyed? Of course not. But there's a, there's a, there's a debate as to how, how you're going to do this. One of the most powerful things that I ever heard in terms of the, the, um, the, the developments of Chinuch, and one which I've quoted many, 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 many times uh, in many audiences, one I heard from Rav Hirschfeld many years ago. Um, and, uh, and I wasn't learning this Shiva, so I don't even know how I heard it. I must have, must have said it at lunch or something. Uh, and and I, I found this incredibly powerful. Maybe you've all heard this because, you know, he shared it with you. Um, but the process of growth is like the process of the shofar. There's tekiah, there's teruah, and there's tekiah. Okay, everybody walks in with a tekiah. There has to be all three. The tekiah is solid. Takua means it's fixed. Everybody walks into a situation with a clarity which is actually based on the fact that they're ignorant. Oh, yeah, what could there be to know? You know when you're teaching people. Oh, yeah, what is there to know? Like, you know, it's very simple. You know, the Bible, it's very simple business. They think they're, ha- they're happy, but they're happy because they don't know. And the next thing you do is truer, which is... It's broken up. Everything is shaky. Ra'ua is shaky. You have to shake people up. You have to shake people through that process. Well, everything you thought was true is not true. You think of it, you approach a black Gemara. You approach it and you say, oh, these people had a Masora, Sinai, they know that we're talking about. And then you spend the next three hours tearing it apart. This doesn't make sense, and this doesn't make sense, and this doesn't make sense, and this can't be, and this one didn't realize this, and this one... But then you have a takira, the other side of the truer, and that is the simplicity of the other side of the complexity. That's, I think, even the words that I heard Rafa Yershol say. Which is a clarity, but it's a clarity that comes from a certain level of understanding. Now, it's the same when you go to the gym, right? You know, someone says to you, you know, you should go to the gym. I don't need to go to the gym. I feel fine. You know, everything works. Great, you know. No, no, believe me, you should go to the gym. So, okay, so you go to the gym. You go to the gym for a week. And then after a week, you go into the gym. You, you, you can hardly walk. You can't. Like this. And, and, and you go to the guy and say, you told me to go to the gym. I feel terrible. Everything, nothing works anymore. He goes, no, no. You've just torn up all your muscles. Because, and you wait. You wait till you see what it's going to be like when they, when they re-knit with each other. You are. But then you've got to go to the gym 
harder and, and lift harder weights. You can't just be lifting those weights. So it's the same thing with learning. You've got to take people through the truer. <coughs> Maybe the Rambam just had a higher tolerance of threshold of the of the truer. <coughs> I often hear this when I'm uh, recruiting. It doesn't matter when I'm recru- where I'm recruiting for, but this is true very much of Darchinom as well. Some people out there say, I don't want my students to be confused. What that really means is I don't want them to be complex. Okay, because unless you're confused, you're never going to reach the next level of understanding. And again, it's a question of of, of, uh, of how much. It's a question of extent. But nevertheless, what, what's really going on here is this This is the Rambam and the Rive. Now, you might turn around and say, well, I actually have a better understanding, and I'm not going to go through it with you in detail, but just look over the page in page number six, uh, source number six. The Tosavus Yontav, who's a commentary on the Mishnah, jumps to the Rambam's rescue. He's bringing this on um, on the Pirkei Avis that we saw. So the Tosavus Yontav, Rav Yontav Lippen Heller, living in uh, Poland uh, in the 17th century, I want to say early 18th century, something like that. He says 17th century, I put it on the sheet. Says the Tosavus He is a clever author. You know, I'm going to defend the Rambam against the Rivet. And the defense he basically brings, you can learn this with each other later, is it all comes to the issue that God is beyond time. God is beyond time. And you and I are fixed in a, in a matrix of time. And we cannot imagine what it's like to be beyond time. He says, and this is what the Rambam means. When he means that you don't know how God knows anything, it's because you're not beyond time. God lives in an eternal present. In an eternal present. There's no future, there's no past, there's just present. You and I live only in the future and the past. We actually don't have a present. There is no present in our lives. There's no such thing. Because whatever you want to define as the present, I can just zoom in and, and cut into the future and the past, and we can keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. Which actually, you know, should make you wake up in the middle of the night in a hot sweat. Because, I mean, the past, the past exists uh, in your mind. Uh, the future hasn't really happened yet. And the present actually is the one thing that definitely doesn't exist. Okay, so you, you, you can ask someone cleverer than me how to work through that one. <laughs> the truth is the, the Maharal does talk a lot about the idea of the Emsa. The Emsa. The Eretz the, Yisrael the, is the Emsa of the world, the middle. And, and Yerushalayim is the Emsa of Eretz Yisrael. And Yerushalayim is not the Emsa of Eretz Yisrael, geographically. But he, when he's saying the Emsa, he's seeing this thing. He's talking about this. The point right in the middle that only exists in the infinity. It doesn't actually exist in the, in the, in the, in the, in the finite world. He's, he's talking about that idea. So you can go with the time issue if you want as well. I'll just leave you with one um, other thought uh, that will hopefully get you uh, thinking even further. Uh, look in uh, number four. So let's go back to number four. And in the last couple of minutes, let's leave you with this. The Rambam in Yisodi HaTorah says, okay, so what, how does God think? Let, let's see if we can work out. Even though we don't know, we can't know. Let me give you a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a lead, he says. You have to say, he says, God is the one who knows. He's the subject of the knowing. He is the knowledge, that which is known. And he is the process of knowledge. God is the subject and the object and also the process of how you get to the two. And everything is one. 
The Dava Zeh Ein Koch Bepela Amro. You don't really have the understanding as to how to express this. The Loi Be'ezin Lisham Oen. You don't really know how to hear this. The Loi Be'leib Ha'adam Lahakiru Alberi. You don't really have the mind to take this in. Ulafikach Einu Makir Habruim V'yodim Machmat Habruim Kemoshe Anu Yodim Otam. God doesn't know you and I like we know each other. Ela Machmat Atzmo Yodam. God knows himself and through knowing himself knows everything else. Now that's very interesting. Again, guys, this is not some deep Kabbalistic mystical tract. This is the Mishnah Torah. This is like the Aleph base of Halacha that he needs you to know. Because God knows himself. That's how God knows everything. Because everything is dependent on his existence. Okay, this is already getting into a whole course on, on the Rambam's philosophical perspectives, which I'm not doing. But just as a machanech, I'm interested in this, in this machlokas in chinuch. How far do you go? How far do you press people? Do you want to be happy? So you probably will tell me, no, I don't need to be happy, Rabbi. But I can make you really unhappy. And how really unhappy do you really want to be? That's the question. How far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? You need to think about that, and you need to pace it, and you need to work it out. But if you're not getting into the truer, then you're just paying someone else to lift the weights for you. It's not happening. You ain't going to get any muscles. And Be'ezrat uh, Hashem, some of those thoughts will, will project you forward. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. I wish you all good Shabbos.